What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Jakeonomics Podcast, where we go behind the scenes and bring you exclusive interviews with CEOs of some of the most interesting up-and-coming companies, and of course, give you, the listeners, valuable investing news, information, and analysis. So sit back, relax, and let's make some stacks. Today, we're going to bring you an exclusive interview with CloudMD CEO, Dr. Esam Hamza. If you're new to the show, welcome to the Smart Money Squad. And if you're not, then thank you for the support. On our YouTube channel, we've been covering CloudMD, ticker symbol DOC in Canada, and ticker symbol DOCRF over the counter for Americans for quite some time now. I've been a big fan of the telehealth space for a while, and I believe CloudMD has a very bright future ahead of it, especially with Dr. Hamza leading the charge. Now, I don't want to take up too much of the time as the interview will be quite long, so I'll let you all form your opinions on the company. This interview was recorded on September 10th, by the way, so do keep that in mind. Now, without further ado, let's get into the interview. I hope you all enjoy. Hey, Dr. Hamza, how are you? Good, yourself? I'm um, good, thank you. Good, uh, good. Nice to, nice to meet you face-to-face. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, the new normal face-to-face, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, this, this has kind of changed our whole, uh, our whole outlook on things and our whole kind of way mm-hmm. of being. So it's, uh, yeah. but, you know, talking about that, that's really helped you guys kind of move forward with what you guys are doing. So uh, yeah, sure. we've been we've been talking about this being kind of the future for years and years, and obviously with what happened with COVID, it just sped it up quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, you know, especially with Canada, I feel like our healthcare system is pretty much a dinosaur, and yeah. uh, and so you know, for me personally, it's been it, it's been really cool to see you guys and and well and everybody kind of in this space, uh, yeah. really taking advantage of the situation and wanting to make it better. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, your vision for CloudMD and why you started in the first place? Yeah, no, for sure. So uh, as I mentioned uh, before, I'm sorry if there's a lot of computer noises here. It's hard That's to no problem. turn off all these Windows devices and things happening here. Um, yeah, it, it grew out of frustration. Uh, I'm a family doctor uh, over 20 years. And, you know, I've been involved in technology and even before I got into medicine, I really looked at what the future of healthcare was going to be. And it wasn't going to be what we were seeing, right, in, in our healthcare system, where everybody's frustrated from the patient who, who has to wait until Monday morning and call into the doctor's office, trying to get through. The staff member is running crazy because they're trying to answer the phone and also help the doctor and the patients in the room. And then the doctor's frustrated because they have no clue what's in the waiting room. It could be a patient that wants a prescription refill that's waiting an hour and a half. And it could be the patient right before that who's having a mental breakdown or a heart attack, right? And so everybody's frustrated. The, the healthcare system was incredibly broken. It's costing the system a lot of money. And I said, look, you know, if, if this is going to work out in the future, it's going to be some sort of integrated health, something where technology is the great equalizer, right? And that's really what it was. It was technology saying, you know, what's that technology to make it seamless and intuitive for everybody involved? Um, And how do you make it happen? And so 
uh, a little bit of background of how, how it worked out was that I started building clinics. I built four clinics. I connected all of them with a, a cloud-based electronic medical record so that staff could work from home, doctors could work from home. You can have shared resources. You know, patients can go from one clinic to another. The chart would follow them. And this is way early. This is before a lot of people were doing that. And then I started introducing things like 24-7 online booking and telemedicine. The problem was I didn't own any of those technologies. And those vendors had no interest in integration or innovation or any of that kind of stuff. And it was, so it was extremely frustrating. Again, I ran into the same roadblock of I know where we need to go, but I can't get there using third-party vendors. And so that's where CloudMD came uh, to fruition as a public company about two years ago. We said, look, we're going to have to own all this in-house. We're going to have to develop it ourselves. We have to make it seamless so that it's very intuitive for the doctors who tend to be very stubborn with technology um, and make it so obvious for everybody to use it that it, it makes sense. So that's really where it came from. Great. And um, so essentially, where do you see CloudMD in five years from now? What's your, what's your end goal? What's your end vision for the company? Oof, that's a that's a loaded question. It's a loaded question, right? <laughs> but it's 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 one that I think is is really interesting to yeah. think about because the I, you know, for me, I think yeah. a company like this in the telehealth yeah. space, the, the sky's the limit. So, so it is, it is, um, and this is why I keep telling everybody is like I'd love for you guys to invest in cloud and but if you don't, just invest in the space. Uh, this space is like the very beginning of. I mean, you guys, you're young, so you don't know this stuff, but the very beginning of the internet where people were coming out with web pages or the very beginning of online shopping or, you know, online banking and stuff like that, or video delivery with Netflix. I mean, we're talking the very beginning of a huge industry uh, and talking about bringing that to what it could be is, is really exciting. Um, so you asked me kind of where I would like to see this in five years. I'd like to see this as an opportunity for all patients to have the ability to see everybody in their healthcare team from the comfort of their home or work and, and everybody working together on that team. So from the primary care doctor to the specialist, to the counselors, to the dietitian, to the physiotherapist and everybody else, the pharmacist even, all working as a team to connect to that one patient using one platform and everybody carrying that chart around with them uh, as a patient being engaged in their own healthcare, getting better outcomes. Uh, and we as a cloud MD providing that ecosystem where that's within our, our, our ecosystem. And so the way I explain it is imagine having for the very first time as a patient, for the very first time in life, especially as Canadian, uh, having the feeling that you are uh, part of the team, that you have almost concierge level of an experience with the healthcare system, where you have same day access to whatever you need, uh, that you have the ability to interact, you know, in real time with with uh, you know real time chatting and and secure messaging and so on with the healthcare team and so on the ability to have to see the not just the doctor but all the specialists and so on have a prescription delivered to you at home or at work uh you know so you don't have to take the kids and drag them out or leave work for this um you know the whole idea of this kind of seamless integrated telehealth and footprint on the ground that's where i want to see i want to see you know probably hundreds of clinics across the province i'm sorry across the country in canada anyways and definitely in the states we'll talk about something different there that we'll talk about but Definitely hundreds of these hybrid clinics across Canada, footprints 
uh, on the ground, but very large verticals where it's servicing the whole provinces uh, right across, basically. So from that, that footprint. So um, that's what we're looking at. And then empowering doctors, empowering healthcare professionals with a platform that is incredibly intuitive. It almost requires almost no training at all. It just makes sense. I think that's a that's a beautiful vision. And I think, you know, I think it's something to, to really kind of look forward to. And as you said, uh, you know, personally, I'm invested in you guys and I'm also invested in well. But, you know, it's and that leads me to my next question, which is uh, which I actually get this question a lot. And so uh, what would be the main difference or how would you differentiate you guys from from well? And why would why would if, if somebody I, I get that question a lot in one of you, why would they invest in CloudMD? Yeah, and I get that question a lot too. Uh, well Health is a great company. Um, you know, it has a great leader in Hammett. I think they're, I think they touched. If not, they're not at a billion dollar market cap right now. So I mean, that's an incredibly, it's an incredible Canadian success story again. And I think they're just beginning uh, as well. Um, a little bit different, let's say pathway. Maybe the same end goal that they're looking for, but definitely a different pathway. And it doesn't have to be one winner. Uh, that's the other thing I'm trying to explain is that it's a, such a small community. There isn't that many of us, definitely publicly. Um, and so it's not, you know, pick one or the other. You can choose definitely, and, and that's fine. But it's really, uh, it's going to consolidate the space. So you're going to see fewer of these companies being public. I mean, Teladoc is acquiring quite a few of them and Amazon's coming into the space and Talus is acquiring and so on. Um, so I think we have to uh, be cheerleaders for the Canadian public companies like ours, you know, and well and so on while they still exist, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> uh, but the big differentiators are that, uh, so number one, you know, Hamid is a great uh, business guy, incredibly, uh, incredible history with TO Networks, understands technology, understands consolidation, been very successful in what he's doing and so on. And, and done it in a great way with what he's done, where he's basically has the 20 clinics, and then he also has taken control of uh, the providers for an EMR, electronic medical record, open source uh, EMR across the country. So he has access to many, many thousands of doctors now and what they use to interact with patients. So it's a very smart way of, of getting access to those doctors without you know, developing that technology themselves in-house or whatever. So it's a very smart way of doing it to get control of that ecosystem. So that, that's, again, that's, that's the pathway they went. What we did instead was, number one, uh, we have well over 100 years of medical experience on, on our team, all the way from the top down. So we understand the doctor side of it, the patient side of it, the staffing, and the government regulators because we've been in it for, you know, 20 plus years each kind of thing. Um, but also on top of that, we own our technology. So we bought an EMR company um, that has the ability to do all those things. What we did was we invested time and effort and money and resources to build that patient portal I just mentioned to you that has the ability to do 24-7 online booking and telemedicine and secure chatting and you know carry your chart and all that. We built that from that EMR, so that's fully integrated and intuitive. Uh, we don't use any third-party vendors. Uh, we don't have any revenue sharing or anything like that at all. So we have that infrastructure. We really spent a lot of time and effort over the last year and a half creating so that now we can really you know, grow uh, at, at this point kind of thing. Uh, so both great companies, uh, and I don't think you're going to do uh, badly with any choice you make either way. So 
Great. I, I, I would tend to agree with you. I think the whole space is, you know, yeah. you talked about the Netflix and maybe like the hockey stick type growth. I think we're kind of just, just at the beginning of that. So I think, uh, you know, you, yeah. you, hit the, you hit the nail right on there. Uh, all right, let's move into, uh, I, I saw this morning that you announced that there was a new uh, chief health innovation officer. So yes. uh, Karen Adams, uh, can you tell us a little bit about her and what she would bring to your organization? Yeah, so I mean, really excited about Karen uh, joining. We, we have a great team. I mean, like I said, you can kind of see from everybody that we brought on from, you know, Dr. David Ostro, who used to lead uh, the biggest health authority here in, in, uh, in British Columbia and knows all the health ministers and so on, to Dr. Goyal and so on. Uh, and, and Karen, the same kind of thing is that uh, she brings in, she's like an expert in her field and we love doing that. So in, even in our acquisitions, every one of our acquisitions was bringing in a team that are experts and proven in their field to help us expand in that vertical. And same thing with Karen. Karen is an expert in her field, mental health, uh, dealing with insurance companies and corporations, something that we were lacking uh, really right now is experience in the private side uh, of our business. Because, you know, in healthcare, they're in Canada anyways, it's public and private and so on. And she has a lot of that experience dealing with insurance companies and corporations, uh, very much experience in mental health. Uh, so when we talk about telemedicine, if you look at our presentations over the years, even our presentation now, we don't talk about COVID at all, right? We've never talked about COVID. COVID, all it did was move our business plans ahead by about five to 10 years. Uh, but we've been talking about this being the future for a long time. But we said that the thing that was going to move us ahead over time and get that big inflection point was mental health, right? The big driver was going to be mental health through for telehealth. It was by far uh, the thing that a lot of corporations and governments were spending a lot of effort and time and resources on mental health through telemedicine. Uh, it, it's a lifesaver for a lot of people because they don't feel comfortable going into clinics when they're already anxious and sitting in waiting rooms with everybody they think staring at them and then going into even a smaller room and talking to a doctor really quickly for five minutes. Not a great experience. So telemedicine has been a great lifesaver for a lot of people. So she's an expert in that field and she's really gonna drive our expansion in, in mental health and with corporations and insurance companies and the private side as well uh, as the public side. And so uh, we're extremely excited uh, to have her leading that. And, and I think you're gonna see some uh, almost immediate results, let's say. Great. Yeah. I think, yeah. you know, especially nowadays we're, we're becoming a lot more aware about mental health and yes. it's becoming less of a stigma. So that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, so you guys have dipped your toes into the U S market now with the clinic acquisition in Mississippi. So how do you plan on expanding in the States? Is it going to be strictly through acquisitions or will you one day potentially uh, offer the same kind of services that you offer here in Canada? I know it's a different kind of Different kind of oh, uh, healthcare the states is a different animal, and, yeah. and even the state. When you say the states, it doesn't mean anything. Every state in the states right. is a different animal, um, and like a different country almost. And insurance companies are landmines, and so on. So it's it's completely different, and that's why we want to acquire not just the clinic, but the team that was going to lead that expansion for us. And that's what we did. Why Mississippi? It's underserviced, right? So they don't have great access to a lot of different specialties and, and even primary care and, and so on. They just don't have the same as, you know, some more densely populated cities or, or states uh, elsewhere, but they have a high burden rate too. So they have a lot of obesity and diabetes and heart disease and so on. And if you notice that in news release, we said 
that the CDC on their website mentions that of the $3.5 trillion spent in healthcare in the US, 90% of it goes towards patients with chronic disease, right? So almost all the money in healthcare is going to the population that has diabetes and heart disease and, and all that. And so really that's our focus is going after that patient population and providing them for the very first time, what I just mentioned that we're doing up here, where we provide them that full ecosystem. So we have a small footprint on the ground and a series of those, you know, over a geographical location, let's say around Mississippi or three states in that area. Um, and providing those patients now, let's say they're diabetic and they have a wound on their leg, not just wound care on the ground with a wound care nurse that might be there, you know, but also they probably need orthotics, they probably need uh, compression stockings. They need to see a dietitian. So why not use telemedicine to connect them to the dietitian in the major city? Uh, they need to see a cardiologist. Great. Connect them to the cardiologist in the major city, right? And so on. And I can talk about that in a second here. Uh, and, you know, the endocrinologist for their insulin uh, numbers and so on. And uh, the, maybe a psychologist and so on. So, you know, bringing that whole ecosystem to the patient where they didn't have access before. Before, they used to either not be diagnosed, fall through the cracks, or have to take days off of work and travel to the major city and, you know, stay in a motel and then try to connect all of these different people before they head back. And it was a horrible system. So being able to provide that now with one platform. And then on top of that, we have even devices where uh, doctors and practitioners can do full exams remotely as well. So some of our devices have like Bluetooth stethoscopes and otoscopes and dermoscopes and oximeters and so on, where they can see the eardrum and listen to the lungs and listen to the heart and, and check the oxygen levels and do these kind of full exams remotely. Um, where they don't have to be physically there. So that one specialist who's very, you know, uh, valuable in terms of their time and effort can now take care of a whole state or multiple states, right, uh, yeah. by remotely. So that's kind of what we're talking about is is getting this this whole ecosystem to that small footprint. That's so cool. I, I, I love the idea of the patient-centric ecosystem. I think mm -hmm. that is so much more critical in, in patient care nowadays. So, you know, I can tell you, I, I grew up in Quebec. And so yeah. our system is, is, is awful and, uh, you know, <laughs> definitely not patient-centric. So you get treated like a number and, you know, yeah. you're lucky enough to get the opportunity to get a, you know, yeah. a, an appointment six months down the road, you're lucky, right? So, uh, and so that leads me to my next question. If, if people want to book an appointment, on, on your platform, then how long is the wait time? Can they do a same day, like next day? Right. Yeah. So right now we're offering, if we're talking about direct consumer side of it, so we, we have, you know, multiple verticals in our revenue, yeah. right? So we make revenue from multiple aspects, our B2B side, where we provide the platform to doctors. Mm -hmm. We have over 3000 practitioners across the country using our, our platform uh, to our B2C side, direct consumer. And so our direct consumer app that you can download in the app store right now in British Columbia, Ontario, soon to be Alberta, and other provinces along the way here uh, over the next few months um, is, is free. Um, so it's free to download, free to see the doctor. That's kind of one of our key things is that we want to make it very easy. And yeah. so we don't charge anything to the patients. We just charge, you know, MSP or OHIP and so on. Um, and immediately they get a chart in our system because we own the EMR. So immediately, as soon as you register, you get a chart that follows you for the rest of your life. And we try to make it so that you have easy access within like the same day for sure. And definitely usually within uh, one or two hours. Uh, that's for the appointments. But we also have kiosks in pharmacies and soon we'll have more um, 
information about this where you can get it on demand. And so we have partnership with Save on Foods out here in Western Canada's Jimmy Passing Group. And we have kiosks in their in their stores where you can go in, go into the consultation room, swipe your card and see a doctor within 10 minutes while you're there kind of thing as well. So that if you run out of your medication or you have a bladder infection or a rash is not responding to your cream, that you can get seen right away too. But awesome. we're going to have more about all that kind of stuff soon. Great. That's, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, I was... <laughs> I live in Alberta now, and so I'm part of that system. So you just mentioned Alberta. I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to testing out the app when it, when it comes here. Yeah, oh, for sure. Soon, soon. <laughs> yeah, soon. Perfect. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. Uh, so you mentioned that, uh, for example, let's say I wanted to see a GI, right? Yeah. I wanted to see a GI. Well, then can I go onto your app and get that referral from one of your doctors? Yeah. Or is there more? is there more of a process to it? No, no. So the point is we're not a virtual walk-in clinic, right? So when you want to differentiate people and companies, because you're going to see a lot of these companies coming out, it's such a hot space that you're seeing a lot of shiny new objects right now Mm -hmm. uh, coming public and everything else. So be careful as an investor to focus on long-term business plans, right? The money is not going to be in the virtual walk-in business. It's not going to be the virtual episodic care. It's going to be this whole person care that we talk about or health talks about. Uh, where you're treating that whole person from that have the chronic diseases and are able to do everything for them. So not only you see them, uh, either physically or virtually, but also the ability to refer them to specialists uh, or having lab rec done so that they can do their labs and it comes back and we follow up with them. We have doctors, we have nurses on our team, we have specialists, we have virtual specialists as well that can see you. So we can even refer to one of our team members within our system. Uh, so you might be able to see the cardiologist within our team or the psychiatrist and so on. Um, so we can do all those referrals for sure. Um, and we follow up as well. So you have a chart and we follow up. So the nurse might call and see how your child is doing the next day after being seen, you know, and you have the, and they had the fever and so on. How are you doing? Are they feeling any better? And so on. We have those nurses in house and so on too. So we're providing full service care. Like I said, it's, it's kind of a weird feeling as a Canadian having kind of same day access and almost concierge type of feeling, you know, interaction with, with the healthcare system, right? And you almost feel guilty sometimes, but it really is the best care. That's exactly what it should be. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's nothing new. I mean, this is something that has been around for a long time in terms of, let's say cancer clinics, this patient centric model that you keep talking about is what's used very effectively with cancer clinics around the world forever, right? Is that when you're when you have when you get diagnosed with cancer, you immediately have nurses assigned to you, oncologists, and you know, all specialties, radiologists and, and everybody. A whole team. Working as a team, working together to see you and getting you involved and, and talking and following up with you and so on. It works. That's why they have it that way, but they don't use it for everything else in, in healthcare, unfortunately. Cool. Uh, so, you know, obviously there's, there's a bunch of specialists that you can see and yeah. like you said, you mentioned a team. So will it one day be medical and homeopathic or are you planning on kind of blending both? Because if we're talking patient ecosystem, then, you know, some people like to look at both. So would right. that be something in your, in yeah, your plans? no, definitely. And, and it's something that we are careful uh, because we want to make sure the team works well together uh, as well. So it, ha- it you know, it, it's like saying a doctor is a doctor and it's not true, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there, there are some doctors that maybe spend a little bit more time or maybe have a little bit more interest in certain things and other 
Same thing with homeopathy or naturopaths and so on. There's some that are more evidence-based and some that are, are not, right? Yeah. So again, we are, we'd be careful, but definitely, absolutely. We even have some doctors within our system, uh, medical doctors that started off as naturopaths. And so they have that kind of dual um, history and dual experience as well, which is really useful. So it depends on the team. We're building, like I said, a, a very valuable team for these patients. And that's really what we're focusing on. So we have no, to the point where you think, okay, well, how can you see a physio through telehealth? And the answer is you can, you know, we, we just bought seven uh, physio and occupational rehab clinics, and they provide both the physical side as well as the mental health. They have psychologists and so on as well, because physical and mental health goes, you know, hand in hand sure. with recovery. And so often when you go see a physio historically, guess what you do? They touch you for the first time and they see you and they know, they teach you the exercises. And guess what? After that, every time you come in, they're just watching you do the exercises and making sure your form is good, whatever. You don't have to come in for that, right? So the follow-up can be done uh, remotely after that. And that's really where, where it's going. So that whole healthcare team uh, is going to be all those things, all the services. Yeah, I see so much value in that. You know, it's it's easy, it's convenient, and mm-hmm. like you said it's 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 something that you can do remotely. So that's great. Uh, okay, so let's move over to uh, your different revenue streams uh, that you have. Can you talk a little bit about each one? I know that you have multiple, so I'll let you. I'll leave the floor to you. Sure. Uh, yeah. So we do have multiple revenue streams. We have the B two B side uh, where we have our uh, our platform. So we have an EMR and a billing solution and a patient portal and another telehealth solution called LiveCare as well. And so we have, you know, the Juno EMR and the Clinicate billing solution and LiveCare platforms and so on. And that provides SaaS revenue. So we have over 376 clinics uh, just on the the Juno side, the EMR side, uh, paying us kind of monthly recurring revenue and then the billing aids as well and so on. we also get recurring revenue from the pharmacies uh, renting our kiosks uh, as well. So we get that recurring revenue that way. Uh, some clinics that are using our billing solutions and giving us recurring revenue that way. So that SaaS revenue has been growing uh, north of 30% year over year. Uh, and we're, we're going to continue growing that uh, very aggressively here. Uh, we also have the uh, call it brick and mortar or the, you know, yeah. the footprint basically. So we have, with this new acquisition, 14 clinics now uh, across North America and growing. Uh, and that brings in that revenue, which is interesting because, again, it, it's it's all shifting, right? Like when COVID hit, we, we closed our doors, but we opened up our virtual doors immediately. We had no downtime uh, versus other clinics and other you know, companies that really got hurt quite a bit from COVID. We, we really didn't for the most part because all our patients can continue being seen through virtual, right? So yeah, our doctors stayed employed, our staff stayed employed, and we continued seeing our patients remotely uh, with no problems. So when we talk about brick and mortar, mm-hmm. we're talking about the hybrid clinics now, right? Where even after now that when it be reopened and everything else, doctors came back only a day, day and a half a week, and the rest of the time they're working from home. So that same footprint, we can now add a lot more doctors and specialists and and providers into that same footprint and provide even better margins within that that brick and mortar so that's kind of the new normal that's a new that's a future healthcare model it's not the mom and pop clinics anymore um so we have the brick and mortar i guess if you can say it it's not you know traditional anymore 
We own two pharmacies as well as part of that. We're not going to be buying more pharmacies. We just needed that pharmacy expertise on our team. And we, we did that. Um, and then we have uh, the telemedicine revenue. So our direct consumer telemedicine revenue. And the reason we separate that is because the, the margins are so much better. Yeah, I can have two doctors on my platform. I can have 2,000 doctors on the platform. It doesn't require the same scale of staffing support or anything like that, right? Um, so it, it's easy to scale and keep going, and the margins are, are quite good. Right, for to have more doctors on the platform, right? For you, yeah. it's as many as many as possible, and it, that just benefits you. Exactly. I don't have to hire more people and build more clinics and create more rooms and all that kind of stuff. I can easily just keep adding those services and those doctors and so on. Uh, and then we have other things like shared resources and so on that we'll be talking about partnerships and so on. Because again, we have, like I said, you know, over 3000 practitioners on our platform. We have, um, I think something like, uh, we have over 120,000, you know, patients on our platform, our patient portal, 3 million patient charts in our system right now, uh, and growing. And so these things that become very valuable for partnerships where they need access to those clinics, but they have no other way of doing it. So if you think about traditionally trying to get into a clinic as a vendor, it's almost impossible to get in, right? So we are the gatekeepers to a lot of those customers. And so providing uh, access, you know, as other providers, as partnerships is there as well, very high margins on that as well. Um, so we have kind of multiple revenue streams, obviously, and we can kind of continue, but they all kind of connect to the same thing is the convenience concierge type service for the patient being in the middle of that healthcare team. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think in all of those streams, there's, there's value in that. And so yeah. that, that's great. And you got to diversify your income. So that's, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. okay. What about, so you, you know, you, right now you guys are in North America. I did mm-hmm. see in one of your investor presentations that you are, you know, you do have a partnership in China. Is that, uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Um, yeah, I mean, we announced that quite a while ago. Yeah. We, some of, uh, a couple of my silent partners in the clinics way back uh, when I first had them um, had exposure and some connections in China. And so they introduced uh, us to that. Uh, there's a, some very big tech companies out there, health tech companies. Yeah. And those health tech companies were very interested in what we were doing out here with this hybrid model, telehealth, and so on. China is very interesting in the sense that it's kind of weird. They, the government pays, but they don't really have clinics, right? They have hospitals, and so historically. And yeah. so any patient had to go to a hospital to get anything done, whether it's a lab rec or pick up prescription or see a doctor. There's no such thing as a family doctor clinics or anything like that. And they've been revamping it over the years to more of what we do here, which is primary care clinics, the gatekeeper, and telehealth. And they've been going really fast in in all those aspects. And so they're really interested in us going over there and and really helping them uh, move over to that system and provide a lot of the the technology and the processes and protocols that that we have. we are so busy right now with North America. We yeah. basically put everything else on hold on that part of it. It really, really needs to focus on on what's happening here because it's such a great opportunity. Um, and it's a lot, I'll say safer, uh, dealing with obviously Canadian uh, and American governments and so on. Uh, much more transparency and much better <laughs> yeah. times. <and laughs> that could be a whole other conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
That's great. Um, what about what about socialized healthcare in, in say Europe? Would that be kind of in the plans maybe later later on? Yeah, we get we get a lot of interest from from other jurisdictions. So we've we've had inbound from not just China but India and Europe and Australia and South America and Mexico. I mean everywhere. So yeah, uh, we'll we'll have announcements on them when we get there. But really, you know, we want to make sure that we're we're uh, doing this properly. I always say this is a marathon, right? This is exciting. Yeah. You know, we talk about the hockey stick and stuff, but we're at the very beginning of the hockey stick. It's yeah. a marathon, but we're sprinting. So it's a sprinter's pace kind of thing. And mm-hmm. and so it's hard to keep up sometimes, but this is just the beginning and we got to make sure that we grow properly. Great. Uh, so let's talk about your recent offering last week. Uh, I saw it as a huge positive because I'm, I'm you know, if, if you're in this long-term, then it's great news. If, you know, people who, who were kind of, not, not really sure about the company in the first place, or, you know, they're in it for a swing trade or something quick. Well, for them, it's not really good, but let's talk a little bit about that and how that came about. And, uh, are there, I don't know if you could talk about this, but are there any plans for new acquisitions with that cash, uh, coming up? Mm. soon? Yeah. I mean, so I gotta be careful what I say here, but yeah, <laughs> I have a ton of interest. Yeah. Definitely a lot of interest over, over, Continuously, basically, um, in terms of the raising money or acquisitions and so on. Yeah. Um, this last raise was very heavily oversubscribed very quickly. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think we announced whatever it was. I think 13 million. I think, and then yeah. we closed 18 million with over allotment. It's over 20 million. Uh, but we had interest to I think over 60 million within hours, kind of thing, right? Wow. So. Um, we could have raised a lot more, but we were very frugal. We are the biggest shareholders ourselves as, uh, you know, as a company, our insiders, family and friends and so on have funded this thing in every round all the way up. Yeah. Um, so we are in on the same side as the shareholders, really, for the long-term vision of where this company is going. Uh, so we're always careful when we do raise. If you, if you notice, we did it on pretty good terms. We didn't have a warrant even. Um, Amazing terms. That, that's that's yeah. <laughs> I was, that's why I was so happy. I was like, "Wow, yeah. this is this is awesome! Like, this is well done." And it's yeah, because we're shareholders too. So yeah, yeah, we're shareholders too, right? So it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and and money is 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 important right now for multiple reasons. Is that like I said before, COVID has created a situation where it's moved everything ahead very quickly, and it's a bit of a land grab. Um, and so we need to continue growing very quickly. And there's an opportunity to grow. We have an incredibly strong pipeline of acquisitions coming up. Um, and so we want to make sure that we always have that, that long cash uh, uh, ability to, to execute on anything, basically. So we have over, I think, 30, with this latest rate, we have over $30 million in the bank right now or something. So, I mean, we're well-funded. And even our acquisitions, if you notice, a lot of the companies that we buy choose stock so yeah. we're like do you want some cash or like i'll take a little bit of cash but we want stock so they yeah. kind of share the same vision with us and they want to be part of our growth uh, strategy so uh we've been pretty good with our cash uh, outlays yeah it's great to have that long-term vision and have people associated with you who are also yeah. who also have that same vision the same, the same goals yeah no for sure that's great uh, so, I mean, obviously, you know, the, let, let's talk a little bit about the stock price. So, uh, it tripled in just a few short months now. So what are your thoughts on the market's reaction to the company? Do you think like, were, were you expecting this type of growth so quick or yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. And I, and I keep, I think I've said this before too, is that I think everybody, especially in Canada, I have to get out of the Canadian thinking of, 
limiting ourselves, right? Like we tend to do this with success stories in, in, in Canada where we overthink things and then we lose the opportunity and then they end up going to the U.S. or get gobbled up, you know, too early or whatever. And there's very few, very big success stories because they, they leave pretty quickly. Um, so I think when you think about, let's say, a well health at a billion dollars, you think, oh, my God, a billion dollars. You have to think ahead now and say five years from now, you know, the space. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just saying that's what I'm trying to get at is yeah. what is a billion dollars when you talk about a, a healthcare system that's going through transformational change where pre-COVID was doing 0.15% telehealth, 0.15% telehealth and versus in that $260 billion in in the States to, you know, probably over the next few years where it's going to be 30, 40, 50, 60, 70% some form of virtual health, right? right. Um, think about the money there and the few companies that are involved and what that valuation would demand, right? And so we have to get out of our mindset sometimes of limiting uh, ourselves to, okay, yeah, we're 200 million market cap or 150 million. Again, think long-term, think about the space. Is it a, is it a, is it a, a, a model that is sustainable? Uh, do they have any financing risk? We don't. We have enough money now to execute on all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just a matter of growing with the, with the space and becoming leaders uh, in, in that space. Yeah, it's, it's, I like the point you just made about, you know, in Canada, we kind of limit ourselves in our own, own thinking and our own thoughts, right? We're like, we set a ceiling for ourselves. Our company set a ceiling for themselves. And it's like, why? <laughs> why do can't we get to those levels? So you don't uh, do this I in the States. That. Yeah, I deal with this all the time because I, I talk to investors and institutions uh, all over the world, actually. Um, and so when I talk to um, a, an investor or an institution in Canada versus an institutional uh, investor in the States or in the Middle East or Europe, completely different questions and completely different expectations. And so when I talk to the U.S. investors, they're like the same thing is always like, why is your why are your multiples so low? You know, why do you keep talking about going cash flow positive? You should be growing. You know, you should be spending money and grow even faster and become bigger. You know, versus in Canada is when you're going to be cash flow positive. You know, <laughs> when you're going to start showing profit and mm-hmm. and that limits your growth. And so it, it's completely different mindsets. And you can see that in the valuations a lot of times in Canadian companies versus U.S. companies in the same space, right? So. Absolutely. Oh, great point. So uh, speaking of the US, right now you guys are listed on the TSX uh, venture and also over the counter, right? Uh, do you eventually plan on uplisting onto say the NASDAQ or maybe, you know, like a move like Green Power Motors just did? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, know, at some point, you know, at some point, um, it's about getting wider investor uh, coverage, right. let's say, yeah, ownership and stuff. And and you can see it with our volumes that we're doing right now that obviously that's not retail. That's not all retail. Uh, you know, we're doing seven, eight, 10 million shares a day kind of thing. Uh, I think we've done over a hundred and some million shares traded in the last month alone. So, you know, that's, that's our whole, that's our whole company's flow basically actually more than that's double the flow basically. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely shifting. And, and I think as we, we continue to execute and grow as a company, uh, and move from 16 million, 23 million, and you know, plus uh, in revenue, and and continue to grow. Then definitely, we'll need a, a bigger audience. 
Great. And so do you think that, you know, this is kind of like, a again, is this like more of a long-term thing or do you think you would want to kind of speed up the process and do kind of like a, I, I can't, I can't speak to more than what I just said. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Great. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that pretty much wraps it up for, for my questions. Uh, is there anything that else that you wanted to share uh, about anything? No, I congratulate you to be to that. You're well aware of, of the space. Cause again, uh, you're not, following your kind of leading which is really good i think um you know you, you get a lot of the, the people coming too late sometimes to a space because they just see it on the front of time magazine or you yeah. know globe and mail or something it's too late by then mm-hmm. so it's, it's good that you you've kind of gotten interest in it uh, early on yeah i think you know i think uh this space has so much potential and it's oh, yeah. only it's in, in its infancy so you know uh and so I, I feel like it's almost my duty, my responsibility to, to kind of let other people know yeah. and to, uh, to kind of shed a light on you guys and, and companies like Thank you. you. So that's great. So yeah, I, again, awesome talking to you. It was great to meet you. You seem very, uh, very genuine. I'm very, uh, I, I feel even better about my investment now. And okay, I'm sure, great. <laughs> sure my, my other viewers will, will as well. Yeah. So pleasure right. meeting you. And I'm sure I speak for myself and my viewers that, uh, you know, we hope to have you on in the future at some point. Anytime updates yeah anytime just reach out okay thanks james awesome thanks a lot so that wraps it up for today's episode thank you all for tuning in and if you want more content like this i got plenty more coming your way on the jakeonomics podcast so do keep it locked also feel free to check out our youtube channel there's lots of valuable weekly content there until next time take care and invest smart (laughs) 